Is it here? Um, I need my Bible. My B-I-B-L-E. Thanks, Jules, for sharing the culture. Um, culture is a powerful thing. Uh, there's a guy I work with. He's in the building at the moment. I'm not going to mention who he is, but... Um, I went to Bible college in 1990 and I thought that was enough maybe to, to do something for God. But the Lord said, no, I want you to work in a boy's home for five years, uh, juvenile justice. And in that place, I learned uh, about uh, culture, uh, about setting the environment um, through, through leadership uh, and authority. Otherwise, it was a free-for-all. So Ordinarily, in, in Mount Penang back then, there was two uh, youth workers looking after a whole dormitory, 30 he-men criminals, and uh, it, was our jobs to, uh, it was our jobs to create an environment where the kids were blessed and doing what they were supposed to be doing. One of the things I learned in that over the years that if you don't create culture, and if you don't set the environment in a given place, it becomes a free-for-all. And it's amazing what you can do when you stand in the authority uh, of God. Uh, you, can, you can actually bring peace. I believe you can bring peace to, to a whole city, whole whole jail. Uh, but you can. You, uh, and, and what we try and do here, Jules, like you brilliantly said, is that um, we set culture that is congenial and conducive to the kingdom of God. So these become like um, a policy we say, well, we don't do that here because we, we do this. Uh, we love people. Uh, we pray. We're, we're on a mission. And they become sort of like our policy. And we defer to that because it's, we're, we're very intentional with our, with our atmosphere. So, Father, we stand in your presence. We stand in this atmosphere created by culture, by people who serve this church, the leaders the leaders and, and the people that come and, and commit their hearts to this church. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have culture that says to people and speaks volumes to people that you love them, that you care for them. And many times we have people say, boy, I just feel the love here. I, I feel God here. And so, Lord, we value, we value the authority that you give us to create culture and in that, in that place, Lord, you can do all things good in God. You can bless, heal, save, transform people. So, Father, help us understand that we are culture builders, but we are propelled by vision. And the saints say, Amen. God bless you. Was that good? I got you. You can sit down. God bless you. I'm just helping you. Wow. I don't want to be, I don't want this to be like business like this is really contrary to every church service that we've ever had but the vision is the engine room of the of the church and you've got to have these meetings for, forgive us but we're just not coming along haphazardly and throwing something together we're very intentional uh, you know what I'm saying uh, Daniel and I mean you guys serve the house, and you are a resource. Let me, let me, give me a couple of moments, and I'm not going to be able to say too much because we've said a lot already. But I want to. I've just been pondering there on the front row. Julie did so well, and I'm just pondering the guts of what vision is. And there's so much we could talk about what vision is. But vision is seeing this 
the preferred future for your life individually, but the preferred future for what God has for this city and the people in this city and beyond. Who's with me on that? It's the preferred future. Bible says without vision we perish. There's a lot of people dying even in the church without vision because they just don't think they matter. They don't think their contribution matters. And they come to church and that's good for a while, but then that wears off. And they go, well, because every, listen to me, I want to crunch something really right down, if I could crunch it all right down. Each and every one of us want to believe that we, that we um, mean something, that we, that, we, um, that, that, that we are valuable, that we are significant, that our life is meaningful. Who's with me on that? You know, that's what every kid, uh, high school kid says. Well, am I just another number? One of the great... I mean, and there's so many opportunities to, to teach Scripture too. Well, but one of the great opportunities you have when you go to a high school at their formidable years, 14, 15, 16, is stand in front of these precious lives and saying, you are significant, you matter, you're created for a purpose. You're created for who, me? I'm just, no, I'm Johnny Brown. No, man, you're unique. You're, you're, you're a nation shaker, history maker. You You rock. You know what they can do when, a, when someone says that to someone? And they go, wow. You don't realize how much authority you have when you stand in Christ and declare that to someone. Like young lads, young boys, I can stand in front of them and I can say that sort of stuff to them and just shake them right, right down to the very core of their inner life and say, my God, this guy spoke to me today. I, I'm changed. I'm different. I don't know what happened to me, but this guy says I'm significant. I'm born for a reason, for a season, for such a time as this. Who was that guy? What was that message? What did it do? Well, we just loosed God's purpose. We loosed prophetically the, the voice of God unto our life. Who loves doing that sort of stuff? Who likes speaking? Or, you know, the Bible says we're not timid. We're not shy. And, you know, that we should be able to stand in front of someone saying, hey, buddy, stop knocking yourself stop putting yourself down you are unique you're awesome and i think you're awesome and in that once they understand they've got purpose then you've got to give them vision because vision is the engine room of and the foundation of life um, if you haven't got vision you just i like to call it spinning the wheels <laughs> Nothing worse for a bloke. I don't know how it is for women. But for a bloke, when he loses traction, he's taking his vehicle on the sand like I did. And I realized I had a four-wheel vehicle. I was on camping. I said, Jules, I'm taking this on the sand. Everyone else is driving up that beach, diamond head. I'm taking mine. I went up there. I got about halfway up to that, 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 that Bermuda Triangle of sand that where your dad, anyway, and then I had... My turn to experience losing traction on sand with the, the waves beating up against your hubs. It's a terrible feeling. Terrible feeling. When you got it in four-wheel drive, you got your hubs locked. Speaking bloke language, now you got your hubs locked. I love locking those hubs. And you got your four wheels that are supposed to propel you through the sand. But then even that's not enough. And you go, my God. And, and, and I think there's a lot of people that they've got even their 
Even Christians, long-term Christians, they even lock their hubs and they're going to do this Christian life. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give, like Pastor Phil said. I'm going to do this great stuff for God. And even that, they feel like they're just this slow. That engine, man, I loved it. You could just feel like the diff was going to snap. You know, oh, yeah. But then all of a sudden... I see my girls who've been jogging on the beach and I said, come, give us a hand. They pushed us out, believe it or not. Two girls, so the girls won the day. I'm seeing a lot of Christians um, struggle um, in church. I'm seeing a lot of Christians falling out of church because where there's no vision, Bible says people perish. Help me, is that in uh, Proverbs? Uh, I'm just going to move around a bit. I'm going to cut to something right now. Okay, here it is. I wonder if you can put me up in Scripture, um, Proverbs 28, verse 18. You can write this down just quickly. The Bible says, Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. That means that this revelation is, by the way, vision. Where, where people have no vision, have no revelation for living, have no revelation for their money, I got money, what do I do with it? I buy a hamburger with it? Buy some shoes? Yeah, what else can I do with it? Uh, I, I can buy something? Yeah, I can go to JBVs, whatever, JVBs. Uh, yeah, I can do that. Uh, I, I can do something. But when you just got vision for you and, and just, you know, your money becomes just like filthy lucre. Filthy lucre, you know what I mean? But money is actually an energy privilege being given to you to use by you to redeem souls to meet under a big tree in sudan and trade souls out of out of you know what i'm saying out of out of hell out of captivity so money for the church for god means the ability for a church to reach out and propagate the gospel is, it, is someone with me here someone with me so uh, we have vision for our money we go we can't do that we got to give our tithe want to buy I want to buy um, something uh, new shoes with my tithe but no we're constrained so you become constrained by the vision and that helps you live on this highway of life rather than just living the any old way where anyway so what happens you get saved you get saved the Bible says when you get saved you should be able to hear from heaven about a vision for your life. Now that's that's personal vision. Somehow rattling in you is an understanding like like Moses had an understanding when he killed the Hebrew because he was bashing up on one of his kinsmen. He he said, I don't know what it is, but I gotta I gotta jump in and help. Already personal vision was allowing him to enact what God ultimately would have him do. Now Let's go about 80 years, uh, Moses, let's go about 80 years to the burning bush. And he's on the back end of a, uh, of, of a mountain. And um, Moses has a burning bush encounter with God. And in that burning bush encounter, he downloads the corporate vision. Say corporate vision. Say the big vision. So you got, you got personal vision. You got, the Bible says that you got personal vision, meaning that when you hear from heaven and how and what you've got to do and the purpose that you have 
in God. It's in there. This residual value of what God has for you, it's in you. And that's the complexity of life. Now, when you have an encounter with God, like Moses had an encounter with a burning bush, God said to him, I hear the groans of my people. I want you to go and set my people free. Who knows the story? So what happened for Phil and Julie? In 93, we already had our personal vision. We had a burning bush experience with God in 93. And God downloaded to us corporate vision, big vision, a vision for a church. Okay, let's go to this scripture here. Um, Amos 8 verse 11. I'm not going to be too long. Amos 8, 11. It says here in the Old Testament, Amos 8, verse 11, The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Again, people searching for the voice of God. The voice of God. God, what are you saying? What are you, what are you telling me here? He's saying, where there is no revelation, where the prophets aren't speaking to God's people, the Bible says the people perish. They dwell carelessly. They, they, you can tell, men, you can tell Christians when, when they've got no vision. They've got no enthusiasm. They've got no spring in their step. They, they find it hard to engage God's work. But when you down, and this is happening all over the world with youth and, and so many other people, they're encountering God. They're having a burning bush experience at the awakening. Yesterday, I heard the stands collapsed, the thousand people and Karat's Guy said, jump everyone, jump, jump, Jesus, jump. What happened there? Was everyone all right or what? Was everyone cool? Just had to vacate. Yeah, all right. Young adults having a burning bush experience, hearing from God, hearing from God. I believe out of that thousand odd young people, there were people having a, a first time encounter with God saying, and, and the Joel boy got up and said, I had a message here prepared but I'm going to put it aside because I want to tell this generation that you're living unto yourself and for yourself. Our forefathers and the, and the people that pioneered the church and the, they, they paid for, the, for this ministry with their whole life. Jesus paid for your salvation with his whole life. He didn't just give a token, oh, just, a little, just a little bit here. I'll turn up the church. Hey, this is how it goes. We sing a few songs and, uh, you know, and uh, no, man. This, is, this church is birthed out of a burning bush experience. We had an encounter with God. God said to Phil and Julie, I want you to start a church in Wild. No, not us. Couldn't be us. No, no. Take off your shoes, Phil and Julie, for I've heard my people groaning and you will start a church Take off your shoes means this is a place to consecrate yourself. And we went through years, all the, the late 90s, the carpet time we did. The carpet time on the, on the carpet. 
Julian Phil and many others like us encountering God after wave after wave after wave, purging us. The Bible says in Matthew that Jesus would baptize us with fire. And the fire was purifying us. The winnowing fork was in his hand. He was scooping the, the, the wheat this way and the chaff this way. And the, and the chaff was being separated from people like us. And we came out of the 90s with this desire, with this message, with this, with this call, for, uh, this, this vision and dream to build his church. The engine room of the church is vision. It constrains us, the vision, meaning that we are apprehended by it. We can't do anything. Every great man of God, um, Abraham, Moses, Abraham was asked to get out of your tent, Abraham. Now look at the stars. That's what happened for Julian Phil. Get out of your little box. Get out of your nine Jennings Road subexistence and look at the stars. Look at the nations. Look at, a, at the, the southern land. Look at the great south land of the Holy Spirit, Australia. Look at your nation. We're looking. We're looking. We're seeing. And as many as those stars, they shall be your offspring. They shall be my people. God allowed us to see a vision for the church to be the church. <laughs> a church of these cultural values. A, a place where people could experience God. Where they could find their destiny. Their calling. To find traction. I think it's one of the most beautiful feelings is when you are stuck in the mud and your wheels are spinning and and you find traction, forward motion in your life. And all of a sudden, your job, health, prosperity, good friends, good environment, Open doors. You are someone. You're going someone. You're being someone. A lot of people just dwell in. The Bible says without vision, people dwell carelessly. A lot of youth dwell in carelessly. Another version says they perish. Another version says they go wild. Another version says they are ungovernable. Speaking to a pastor a couple of days ago, and he's, he's having having uh, problems putting his church uh, getting his church to engage in vision but Father you've given us vision you've given us vision what's the vision of this church um, help me uh, I wrote this down and it's on the web page our mission connect people to Christ Jesus build and grow the church release gospel power and word and spirit for the kingdom I'm done uh, do we have a PowerPoint of the, the goals for 2010? Do we have that? Goals for 2010. And the theme of the year is spirit power. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Yeah, 2000, 2010 is the year of spirit power. That's our theme for this year. Again, without vision, we're just thrashing around, just doing the same thing. But we prayed. We did go to Diamond Head, prayed, prayed, prayed again. And already God was saying, to Julie and I, my people are struggling because they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. They can't read their Bible. 
They can't come to church. They can't give. They can't testify of my love. They can't build church. They can't serve church. They can't, they can't believe for vision. Holy Spirit, right now, we're believing that you've given us a theme and we're going to acquaint ourselves with you this year. Already, people have had incredible encounters with God on the altar in the last couple of weeks. One man had a three-hour full-on encounter with God. Another man over here, a businessman, uh, who I had another uh, opportunity with him just last week, encountered God, got up, was so beside himself, intoxicated with God. He said, what, what is this? I've never been like this before. I'm a man usually well within my faculties. I'm pretty self-controlled. I feel like I'm drunk. Well, I said to him, you, you, it's like what Peter said on the day of Pentecost. These are not drunk, as you suppose, but it is only nine in the morning. But this is what the prophet Joel said. This is that. This is the Holy Spirit. And so we'll never deny the Holy Spirit in people's lives. It's the empowerment. Jesus said, don't do anything. Don't do anything until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't try and build my church without the power. And that's why a lot of people are struggling. And if we go down Acts 1.8, uh, we'll typify that. Phil Pringle, there's a, probably a quote there. This is why the Holy Spirit is here. He's available to help us in every area of life. The goals of 2010, our goal for 08 was... a. Uh, was a couple of hundred probably. We got 190 uh, saved. Yeah, 09, 250 souls. And Garth is absolutely right. We are absolutely, we, we can't keep up to all the people coming now. Tonight, the place will be jam-packed with people we hardly know. We cannot keep up. We're asking you for every visitor that comes into the house to befriend them, love them, uh, just, just glance them, please, just, just give them a glance, a courtesy, courtesy glance at least. Um, you don't have to talk to them ordinarily, but just saying hi to them is powerful. Our goal for this year, goal 2010, is 275 souls. Who can believe for that? We're obviously praying and believing for our goals. Again, again goals is the engine room of vision, a steady uh, church growth towards membership, build and grow personally into the church by word. These are on the web page. Please check the web page out. It will tell you. Equip the church facilities for great influence. Continue a large and small outreach events. We're going to do that. A financial increase of tithes and offerings, of course, to spirit empower the church for great effectiveness. Uh, I love this blog. Uh, uh, see Keith Edwards. Is that there? Vision for the future releases you from the regrets of the past. Uh, Dale Galloway, you wouldn't know him, but he's a pastor. People never grow or go beyond their vision. Tell me your vision and I will tell you your future. Charles Wendell, I love this great quote. Great quote's the last thing I want to quote. Our great need, he says, our great need, the church needs. Vision is essential for survival. It is spawned by faith, sustained by hope, sparked by imagination, strengthened by enthusiasm. It is greater than sight, deeper than a dream, broader than an idea. Vision encompasses vast vistas outside the realm of the predictable, the safe, the expected. No wonder we perish without it. Uh, it Help me, uh, Helen Keller, the blind uh, entrepreneurial uh, woman that said, it was asked of her once, could there be anything worse than being blind? She said, there is. Uh, seeing and having no vision. Seeing and having no vision. She said there is something worse than being blind because she had vision. She ended up being an entrepreneurial, multimillionaire, had vision for great stuff and changed the world. And Helen Keller, God blessed her. Let's all stand, God bless, just for a moment. I'm going to hand you back to Candace and Luke. But I did want to say this to you. 
Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. God is the ultimate visionary. He visualized the entire creation, mankind, the earth, and the rest of the universe before it was created. Vision dreams come from Him. He longs to envision us. He longs to envision us. He longs to envision us. You long to envision us, Lord. Lord, I'm praying that C3 Tugger would be stirred up in their most holy faith to believe in the dream, their personal vision, their corporate vision, Lord. I, I, trust me, if we're asking you to commit to a vision and to a church, we will show you the fruit. We will give you dividends. We will show you the reward of what it means to commit and serve and give to the local church. If we cannot show you the fruit of what we're doing, of souls saved, transformed, and people's lives impacted, take your life somewhere else and give it to a more worthy cause because it's incumbent on us. It's, it's my challenge as a, as a leader to be visionary, to have vision, to see people's life blessed, healed, changed. So Father, I thank you for every contributor, giver, committed, committed soul that's in this house, committed team member that's in this house.